Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. We can do something else. We can keep them from forming an intimate, continual experience with Christ. If they, can, uh, if they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to church, let them have their Christian lifestyles, but steal their time so they can't gain that experience with Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to do. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior, maintaining the vital connection throughout the day. How shall we do this, asks his demons. Keep them busy with the non-essentials of life. Invest uh, and, and invest in uh, their unnumbered uh, schemes to occupy their minds, he answered. Tempt them to spend and spend and spend, then borrow and borrow and borrow. Convince them to work six or seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, so they can afford their lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their children as their families fragment. Soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds so they cannot hear the still small voice. Entice them to play the, the radio or the CD or the MP3 player or whatever whenever they drive to keep on, to keep on the TV and, the, and the, the movies playing and their, their CDs constantly going within their home, uh, fill their coffee tables with magazines and newspapers, pound their minds with news 24, uh, 24 hours a day, invade their driving moments with billboards, flood their mailboxes and email inboxes with junk, and sweepstakes, and every kind of newsletter and promotion imaginable. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their holidays exhausted, disquieted, unprepared for the coming week. And when they gather for spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so they will leave with souls unfulfilled. Let them be involved in evangelism, but crowd their lives with many good causes that they have no time to walk with Christ, to learn from him, and to seek his power to do his will. Soon they will be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family unity for a good cause. Wow, it was quite a convention. The demons eagerly went to their assignments, and the question for you today is, has Satan been successful? He sure has. He sure has. And as we learned last week, Christ offers a far different rest, a far different opportunity that we all should avail ourselves to. Last week we learned in Matthew 11 and verse 28 that we should come to him, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. That's the rest of salvation. He calls everyone to that. If you're not saved here today, he calls you to the rest of his eternal salvation, knowing when you pillow your head at night that your soul is safe in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he goes on, and that's what we're going to learn today. And he calls us into the rest of his yoke, into the rest of being with him and this rest is available to us today would you stand and let's read the on the two verses here matthew 11 and verse number 29 and 30 matthew 11 29 and 30 matthew 11 29 and 30 i hope that you're there and let's read this together the bible says take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now that we're all there, let's read it out loud together one more time. The Bible says, ready and begin, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's ask God to, to bring that to our hearts because we can read that. It's a very different thing to have that in our hearts and to live from that place. And so let's ask God to teach us. 
Father, we've gathered in this place because you commanded us to. Lord, I am mindful that this world tells us that we can be satisfied, we can um, find rest in other places. Lord, I'm reminded that the world even teaches us that if we stay away from this assembly, that somehow we'll find rest. Lord, I'm burdened for your sheep, and this is your assembly. I'm burdened for your sheep that, Lord, we would not listen to the world's call away from this assembly. Lord, the world thinks it's too much to gather, and they don't understand what we're doing here today. And we understand that because they're, they don't have the Spirit of God within them. But Lord, I, I'm concerned about, about some of your sheep that, that do not gather and make this a priority. And Lord, I, I, pray, I pray for them. And I pray that you today would show them that true rest is only found with you every single day. But Lord, with you even in this assembly. Lord, I pray that we would, we would repent of what we have done in seeking rest in other places. Lord, this, is, this has become a scourge of our Christianity, especially here in America. Lord, we seek rest in so many different places. We need your help. We need you to reprove us, to show us where we're wrong so we can make it right, so we can be living lives of rest in your presence. God, we need your help this morning. Lord, I pray that you would open to everyone that's gathered here today, I pray that you would open your word, that it, they would not... They would not hear me. God, would you open their eyes to your word, to you yourself. Would you be the teacher today? Anoint this time. Anoint me as your, your preacher, but anoint the, every listener here today to receive with meekness the engrafted word. Lord, I cannot offer anything to this congregation. You have to do it, and I pray that you would do it through your word today. And we'll give you praise for what you do. I also pray for those that might not know you as Savior. Bring them to yourself today, we pray. Oh, how we pray that they would receive you. In Jesus' name, we ask these things, amen. And God's people said, amen. Let's be seated. And so here's what I want us to grab a hold of right as we, we get to the meat of this uh, without much introduction. If you need to go back and listen to last week's part one of this, I'd encourage you to do that. It's on the, on the website. You can go to our website and find it. I'd encourage you to do that. You can go to YouTube and find it. I encourage you to, um, to catch up on that. But we really need to jump right into this because there's so much to grab from the Lord Jesus. Jesus' word is infinite. Infinite. How many of you believe that this morning? And so it's constantly, it's just full of information. It's full of of doctrine for us to grab a hold of. And so we want to we wanna grab a hold of it. And so what I want us to see is this rest that God is offering to us is absolutely available, but it means that we're going to have to take some steps, just like you have to take a step and respond and receive the rest of salvation. We also have to take a step and respond to what Jesus is telling us. He gives us two commands. He gives us two commands and then a promise. And I like that because the promise is absolute if we'll obey the commands. And so if you're, ready to, if you're ready to receive these commands and the promise, would you say amen? So let's dive into this. We're not going to have any clever outline this morning. I'm going to take it right from the words of Scripture. And so notice the first command that he gives us is take my yoke. Would you say that with me? Take my yoke. That's what he's asking us to do. Every single believer here today needs to take the yoke. The lost person will look at this as a work they do to gain favor with God. That is not what this is about. He says to his believers, those who have responded and received the rest of his salvation, he says, take my yoke. This is what Christ is calling you to do. Really, he's calling you to a personal choice to take his yoke. It is not something that someone else can do for you. He says, take my yoke upon who? You. You. You, individually you, and he wants you to make this personal choice to, to lift up the yoke as it were, to get inside the yoke. The yoke is not about salvation. That's Matthew 11 and verse 28. That's salvation. So the yoke is not a work. It's not a means of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. Say it with me. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So this taking up the yoke is not a matter of salvation. It's a matter of sanctification. It's a matter of discipleship. We'll get to that in a moment. But the fact is, this is, is not a matter of salvation. It's not a work. We're to take up this yoke. But also, along with that, this, this matter of taking up the yoke, this personal choice, is not automatic. So just because you came to the Lord 
within the past couple of years or just because you've um, um, known the Lord for 20 years does not mean you've taken up the yoke. There are, there, are, uh, there are two types of people here before God. There's those that are saved and those that are lost, right? Right? You with me? There's two types of Christians, those that have gotten in the yoke and those that have not. You have a personal choice to make. Just because you've attended this church for many years does not mean you've taken up the yoke. It's true. Just because you have a salvation testimony does not mean that you're in the yoke with Jesus Christ. And so what I want us to catch here, you may be a believer that has a salvation story. You, you know that you're saved. You know that you've received. You know that your eternal salvation is secure, but you have not yet started walking with the Lord. You've not walked with him in that way. You've not made that personal choice. And so just as salvation is a personal choice, so taking up the yoke is a personal choice. It is a command that he gives to you that requires you to make a decision. No one else can make this decision for you. It is voluntary. You must do it willingly, but no one else can make this decision for you. And no one else can be blamed when the consequences of not taking up the yoke yield out in your life. No one else can be blamed for that. Your church can't be blamed. Your pastor cannot be blamed. You are the one that is responsible for taking up the yoke. I find oftentimes when people come to the end of a walk of, um, that is uh, not surrendered to the Lord, not walking with Christ, and their life begins to fall apart, they begin to pick apart the pastor and begin to pick apart the church. The church is not the problem, and, and the pastor is not the problem. It is you between you and your God. Are you taking up the yoke? And uh, when the amens dry up, I'll know that we need a camp there for a little while. All right, it's true. We are really good, like Adam and Eve in the Bible, of blame shifting. And there are many Christians who have learned how to blame shift. All right, it's time to find another church because I am not, you know, things fell apart. Friends, that's blame shifting. We need to get real and get right before God and get in the yoke with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a personal choice you have to make. Every one of us needs to be able to walk out of here today knowing whether I have the yoke around my neck. The yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's voluntary. Now many fear to take it up. And the fact is, Jesus is not going to command us to do something that's, that's going to be harmful to us. Do you believe that? He's not going to do something and, and command us. And you know, there are people that have um, walked through what is called Christianity and feel, are so burdened down, stressed out, and, and troubled in their hearts. That's not Christ's yoke. And so whatever it is, we need to know exactly what Christ's yoke is, what he's calling us into. But if it is hurtful and harmful to you, that, that is not something Christ has called you into. And so it is very important that we are, do not fear what Jesus is telling us to do in making this personal choice. But I also want you to notice it's a personal surrender. It's a personal surrender. He says, take my yoke upon you. You have to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to get in. I'm going to take this step. It's not just any yoke. It's his yoke. It's his yoke. It's not your yoke. You and I have a lot of things that we want to dominate our lives. But he's saying, I want you to take on my yoke. I want you to take my yoke upon you. The idea of the yoke is it's a, it's a wood, wood-shaped piece. I, act, I actually asked, maybe some of you saw it, I asked on, on Facebook, does anyone have a, a yoke hanging up above their fireplace or something? I wanted one in here. No one in the Dayton area has one, or at least that, that uh, follows me on Facebook. And so here we are. This is what we have. This is, as much as, uh, this is as good as it gets for today. I guess down in Waynesville, maybe in one of the antique shops, but I wasn't willing to spend $300 on a yoke for an object lesson. But here it is. This is what a yoke is. It goes around the necks of animals to link them together, to increase their team effort, to, to keep them together, but also to increase the strength, their ability to, to plow through, a, uh, through a, a job, a task, and do it together. And so the yoke is this, this wood piece, and, and obviously God is not talking about we all need to go around with yokes on our neck, all right? That's not what he's asking. He doesn't need us to, to grab, you know, to start wearing an artifact, you know, it's sort of like that. That's not the idea. This is a spiritual idea, an illustration that he's using. But in ancient cultures, the word yoke was a term that was used to describe submission, submission. So when someone was described as being yoked to someone or something, it was communicating the idea that she or he was in submission to that person or thing. And what 
the yoke is used to describe, when Jesus is using this in our, our lives, he's really, he's describing that very idea of submission or obedience or yielding. We sometimes call surrender, but really, friends, let's just be honest, it's a matter of whether we obey or disobey God, right? So we, we soft pedal a lot of times with the word surrender, like, I finally give up. That's not what Jesus wants, friends. He doesn't want a bunch of Christians who finally, I finally give up. You know, that's not, that's not the idea. We need to willingly, readily say, I obey. I give everything to you. I submit. I submit to you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12 and verse number one. What is our, our theme verse? Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How did Jesus say, I'm gonna do that? I'm gonna go to the cross. What did Peter say? Don't go to the cross. Don't die. Don't give up your life. Well, that's what we oftentimes say. Don't get in the yoke. And Jesus said, hold up, hold up. Matthew 16 and verse number 24. If you're going to come after me, you're gonna to have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What is that? Get in the yoke. That's what it is. Friends, I often hear, I often hear people talk about, you know, the size of a church and the, and the growth of a church and all this. Friends, if there is not believers, the members of a church, gathering together and getting inside the yoke with Jesus Christ, there is no growth. We have to start taking personal responsibility. We have to take personal responsibility for where we are with Jesus. You need to be in the yoke as much as I need to be in the yoke. Are you with me? And so he calls you to follow him. The way that you will experience seeing souls come to the Lord and added to the church is as you get in the yoke, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow after him. What does that surrender look like? It looks like being near and with Christ. It looks like experiencing Christ in every moment of your life, not just at church, but at work. Do you know you can experience Christ as you're stocking shelves? Yes. You can whistle. You can pray, you can do all sorts of things. You can, as you're driving down the road, wherever you are, you can experience Christ, and that is being in the yoke, going where Christ goes, stopping where Christ stops, resting when Christ rests, getting alone with God when Christ says, hey, it's time to get alone and get into a desert place and seek me, walking with Christ, taking step, repeated steps, one after another with Christ every single day, prioritizing what Christ prioritizes. You know Christ prioritized the church? It is mind-boggling to me how many excuses there are for Christians not to prioritize the assembly of the church. This morning as I was praying about it, I just prayed out to God. I said, God, these are your sheep. And I know, I know we all have challenges and all that, but friends, this is not time to be playing games. This is not time to be making excuses before God. Our world is, is fastly falling apart. We must prioritize this thing that Jesus prioritized. And it's not just church that he prioritizes. He prioritizes the lost person that lives in the house next door to you. He prioritizes you glorifying him everywhere that you are so that there's not a, there's not a, 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 a one type of a person, one type of you inside of the church and one type of you at, at your workplace. Do your, do your work... Do your workmates know that you're Christian? Do your workmates know where you go to church? Do they know that about you? Is it that real to you that they know that? Do they see that in you? And so how I encourage you, get in the yoke, surrender, submit to him. Everyone is yoked to something. Right now on a piece of paper in front of you, I want you to write down one of the first things. If someone else was describing your life, what is the biggest thing about you that people know about you? Are you in the yoke with Jesus Christ? Here's what, I, here's what I'm getting at. What are you yoked to? What are you yoked to? What dominates your life? What are you, if you have your rather, what do you do? What are you yoked to in your life? I want you to write it down. I want you to think about that. What are you yoked to in your life? Everyone is yoked to something. Everyone is yoked to something. Everyone is submitted to something. Well, that called, that's on the schedule, that gets it. Uh, this is what I like to do. That gets my time. Everyone's yoked to something. That ought to be something that we really consider. Because if you're not yoked to Jesus Christ, you haven't, you haven't taken, up, taken up the yoke. we got to be real about this. What is dominating you? What is calling you away from Christ? What, is, uh, what are you yoked to? What is, what is really big to you? Is it, is it the fear of man? Well, I just... What are they going to think about me if I say that? If I stand up in that way, what are they going to think about me? Is it the lust of the flesh? Is it the lust of the eyes? Is it the pride of life dominating you? 
Is it your career? Is it your position or your desire for a position? Is it your own will? This is what I want to do. You know how often we as believers just are so bent on what we want to do? Yeah, some of us are yoked to that. That's what we walk with. What dominates us is what we want to do. I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Friends, that's not going to be an excuse when we stand at the beam of seat of Christ. Let's be real. Let's be really real about that. We can be yoked to good causes, but not God's will. We can be yoked to money. We can be yoked to unforgiveness, and that dominates you. You see that person, and your life falls apart. Your day falls apart because you have not forgiven, and there's all this bitterness and resentment that comes up inside of you, and you, you get around someone else, and you got to gossip about it. Or maybe you're yoked to a regret, a sin in the past that you cannot you cannot shake, and you're yoked to it. It dominates you. It keeps you from going forward. Whatever you are yoked to, you must be yoked to Christ. It's a choice. It's a personal submission and surrender. I see uh, some folks are yoked to a hobby. I see some um, folks, I just read an article this week about the addiction, not of drugs, and people can be yoked to drugs, but yoked to uh, the addiction of video gaming. Friends, this is dominating our culture. It is dominating our culture. It's a constant, and Satan is so crafty in this. You can be yoked to something besides God. You can be yoked to something besides Christ. But friends, it will never pay off in the long run. It will bring destruction into your life. There is no other Lord that is going to do you good. You believe that this morning? There's no other Lord that's going to do you good. Whatever it is you're yoked to, get yoked to Jesus Christ. He says, take my yoke upon you. So you're not going to be able to do the next command that he gives if you don't first stop and take inventory and obey the first command he gives here. Take my yoke upon you. Every one of us needs to be assured in our hearts, yes, I have the yoke of Jesus Christ on me. I have it. I've entered that yoke. I know that. You ought to be able to say that with certainty. But notice what he says in verse number 29 again. And learn of me. Here's another command. And learn of me. Let's say that together. And learn of me. And so inside the yoke, I want us to notice that it's a place of discipleship. It's a place of discipleship. He says, learn, gain knowledge. And this isn't just about head skills because he's going to practice it out as he walks with us. So it's not just about head skills, but it is something that in a moment we've decided I'm going to learn that about Christ. In this moment, I'm going to learn this about Christ. God intends to teach you something about Christ today. You need to learn of it today. So in the yoke, we're learning. It's a place of discipleship. Now, what is discipleship? What is a disciple? We've often defined it around here. Someone have it for me? Okay, very good. Discipline, but a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And there are the disciplines of the Christian faith. And it is, it is the discipline of walking with, with the Lord. So it's a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Now, there are some that, again, as we, as we just define this and be real, there's sometimes we, we are not very good disciples, right? As believers. Are you with me? Um, the Bible says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So as we take the word of God, and as we walk with him in the yoke, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, that's what you tell me to do. Yes, I'm going to do that. Then we're his disciples indeed. It's when we put the, the, the Bible on the, on the coffee table, and we go throughout a week. Well, I read it in the morning. Check that off. Now I can go on to my next thing. And we don't walk with him in the yoke. We're not, we're not being disciples, and so this, this yoke is a place of discipleship. It's a place of learning. It's a place of following. Jesus invites us, one man said, to learn of him, which is another way of saying, uh, be my disciples. There's peace in having, not having to figure life out on our own. There's assurance as we follow his lead. Do you know when you're in the yoke? You don't have to constantly go, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about this situation? Just follow his lead. Just take the steps that he's taking. Be imitators of Christ. Isn't that good? Be imitators of Christ. Uh, follow after him as dear children. Uh, one person said it. Farmers used to train young oxen to plow by partnering them with stronger and more mature oxen. The job of the younger ox was simply to follow in the same direction and keep pace with the teacher ox. The older ox pulled most of the weight and understood the commands of the plow driver. Uh, as long as the younger ox followed the older ox, everything was fine. But, but if the younger ox decided to speed up, 
or lag behind, the work became much more difficult. How many of you can identify with that? I'm going to run ahead of God. I'm going to lag behind. I'll just sit here for a little while. It gets harder. Only by keeping pace with the older ox could the younger ox complete the day's work without collapsing in exhaustion. Why are we burning out? Why do we hear, I'm just burnt out, I'm done? Why? God did not design it that way, Christian friends. This is not God's will. This is not what God has designed for his church. That's not what he's calling us to. Is the Christian life work? Yes, it's work. It's actually labor, labor. Paul told Timothy, you've seen my labors. You've seen my tireless, uh, my tireless toil for the Lord Jesus Christ. But the idea of being crushed by it is not what God has designed. And so Christ's yoke is the very place that every disciple needs to be. You need to be there. This week, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you need to be there. C.H. Spurgeon said it this way, nearness to God brings likeness to God. The more you see God, the more of God you will be seen in you. And that's exactly it. The more I'm with Christ in the yoke, the more of Christ will be seen in me. That's what your workplace needs. They need to see Jesus in you. I was having dinner with some friends, and they were telling me the story of going and, uh, going and uh, their, their son had to get their, uh, his license, so he's going in for the test, and uh, before they went in for the test, they, they simply prayed, Mom and the son prayed, uh, Lord, would you help Jesus to be seen in us in this, in this moment? So the, the young man, 16 years old, goes into the test. He's in the car. And, you know, uh, typically you're all nervous, whatever. Well, uh, God just gave him strength to, in small chat, uh, talk about the church that he attended and talk about that. And just from his heart, talk about that. Well, it so moved the driving instructor that when the driver instructor came back to the BMV or wherever they were, uh, he, he uh, told the guy at the front desk that had, you know, had checked him in and so forth, told him about this. The guy at the front desk who had a frown and was kind of sour uh, on the way in comes over to the 16-year-old young man says, hey, can you come back here when you're done? And comes back and begins to talk to him. He says, hey, uh, this guy, and he uses his name, uh, told me that you go to such and such a church and you know, tell, me, uh, tell me about it. And they had a sweet conversation. And they walked out of there that day knowing that God had answered their prayer. He had verbalized what, you know, it not only it wasn't just seen in them, but he had ver- given verbalization to it and Christ was seen. How does that happen, being in the yoke with Christ? It's seeing every single opportunity as a God-given moment to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. That's being in the yoke with Jesus Christ. Well, I don't have any opportunities to witness. If you're in the yoke with Jesus Christ, you will absolutely have opportunities to witness. Christ does not lead us to this lost world and not get burdened for souls. He never went anywhere without a burden for souls. We're not in the yoke if we're not being led into those opportunities. And friends, how important this is. The more we're close to God, the more God will be seen in us. Wow, what an opportunity you have. So the yoke is this place to learn. It's a place of discipleship, but it's also a place of discovery. Notice in verse number 29, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Say that with me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. Now this is the opposite of the religious leaders of that day. They were not meek and they were not lowly in heart. Not at all. In fact, the Bible tells us, Luke 18 and verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, I thank thee, God, that I am not as other men, extortioners. You can just kind of, you, you get this sense. He's standing at the altar. You know, his head is so high that if it rained, he'd drown. You know, it's just like, he, you know, he is just, he is, he is there. I'm not as other men, as extortioners, unjust, adulterers. And then here's what takes the cake. He says, or <clears throat> as this publican. What in the world? The arrogance of that. That is the that it was the religious leaders of that day. What's a publican? He was a tax collector, and no one liked him, not at all. And so this guy, all high in himself, uh, just looks down his nose at this publican who has come. And you know what the publican's saying? God be merciful to me, a sinner, and he would not even look up into heaven. So what Jesus was contrasting here was the religious leaders and the religious institutions of the day were very high in themselves, very, very, very arrogant. And God says, no, I want you in the yoke to discover this. I want you to discover that I am meek. I am meek and lowly in heart. Meek is used three times in the New Testament. Once here, 
Once when Jesus Christ was riding into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, it was declared and really a fulfillment of prophesy. Here comes the, the king, the Messiah, uh, meek and lowly. Uh, and so Matthew 21, verse 5, and another time it's used, I find this interesting, it is to be the characteristic of Christian women within the church. Those are the three times it's used, of Jesus and the Christian women. Now, ladies, if you think that you don't have a place in Christianity and that you're not important, you are so very important to the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus always elevates women. And in, in this instance, Jesus is actually just saying, you know what? Uh, especially the women. This is the, this is the spirit that I look for in the women of a church, a meek spirit. What is that? Uh, it's a gentle spirit. It's a mild spirit. It's a humble spirit. And so that's what Jesus is. There's no brash, nasty, uh, not with Jesus. No, it's meek. Uh, he tells us that he's lowly. Again, just underscoring the idea of humble. His humility is seen in him coming from heaven to earth to die on the cross for our, our sins, but it's, it's marked by meekness and modesty, not arrogant and prideful in any way. And so this word is used one other place when Paul describes himself in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 1, where he describes himself as, the, as base. I've been made base. I've been made the lowest. And that's what is used to describe Jesus, one who, is, who has made himself to be base among you. And so that's what he is. That's what we discover of Christ inside the yoke. Here's what I want us to catch. You do not learn these things of Christ outside of the yoke. Well, I'm just not being fed. Again, many preachers get that thrown up against them. Well, I'm not being fed. It must be the pastor's fault. Now, I, I can understand. There's, there's times where you know, the pastor doesn't do his work, and so, um, so someone's not getting fed. There's delinquent pastors. I understand that. But if pastors open up the Word of God and, and comes with a prepared message, there ought to be something that you're able to get. A lot of times it has to do with the fact that we've walked in here and we've not paused and, uh, and discovered only God. We walked in here dealing with our, dealing with our issues, or we, we left our video or movie or the newscast and drove to church, and so all this is playing over in our minds rather than coming in with prepared. There is so much that has to do with us getting inside of the yoke and so that we can learn and discover Jesus Christ. And so he calls us to that. But notice what he says here. In the yoke, you're going to find and discover that he is meek and lowly where? Isn't that interesting? He didn't see, say, uh, in my actions, in my daily life. He said, in my heart. Now, again, contrasting with the, on the, the Pharisees, what were the Pharisees? Oh, generation of vipers, one chapter later. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So in the next chapter, he gets in a tussle again with these guys and just declares, listen, your hearts are off. Your hearts are against me. They're full of pride and evil speakings. And the reason your mouth speaks the way it does is because your heart is that way. And here's the great discovery that we need to grab a hold of, is that Jesus from his heart is meek and lowly. From his heart. What a person is in their heart is what they truly are. What a person in, is in their heart will eventually come out. And you know what? The great assurance that you and I can discover about our Lord Jesus Christ is because he is meek and lowly in the heart, we won't get five, down the uh, five years down the road with him and discover he's something else. Have you ever established a relationship with a person and found out about a year later that they weren't who they um, po um, poised themselves to be? You with me on that? You're not going to have that problem with Jesus. You're not going to have that issue with Jesus. He isn't going to uh, bait and switch. He doesn't do that. From his heart, he is meek and lowly. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And how grateful we are for that. And friends, that's rest. When we come to the place where we're discovering that about Jesus, I can rest in the fact he doesn't change. He never changes. And that's my Jesus, and I love him for it. And the world and the, and the teachers of this um, world, and the, even sometimes within churches, they're always telling us, put the best foot forward. Always try to hold up a facade in front of other people. Jesus doesn't do that. He says, here I am. This is what I am in the heart. I want you to know this so that you know that from this day and forevermore, you're going to find I'm meek and lowly in my heart. I'll always be gentle with you. I'll always be kind to you. I'll always be bringing you along. I'll always love you, and I'll always treat you with humility. Wow, our Jesus is amazing. You know what's amazing to me? Along with that, we have heard 
from so much. There's whole, there's whole organizations that, that help people put the best foot forward. Now, I, I, understand, I understand about making sure that we, we don't have your... Uh, I'm going to tell you a story, but I'm not going to give you his name. But if he ever, if he ever listens to this, he might know who he is. Um, but they're not here. So he was a college professor, and uh, he was given an announcement one day in, in class uh, in, in College Chapel. And he is, he's being very, very, very serious. And he was good at that, very serious. And uh, so he is up there at the, the podium in college, and he is, uh, he's giving this announcement. And he has a sheet of paper that we needed to do something with. I forget what the announcement was about because of what was going on. And he, uh, so he's being very, very serious in, in trying to communicate this. And he was going like this the whole time for a couple minutes going like this, and just waving the sheet of paper back and forth. Well, no one's listening to the announcement. They're like, why are you waving the piece of paper back and forth and back and forth? You ever been around someone who's speaking, they have some sort of, some sort of tick that just totally gets your attention, and it's like you can't focus on anything, okay? So there are some things that we have to kind of clean out of our lives, understand, put our best, I'm not talking about putting our best foot forward in that way, uh, just trying to be better at communicating or something like that. But the world constantly is teaching us to put our best foot forward, really hide the real you. Filter it. Put it out on Instagram. Filter it. Uh, hide who you really are. Only share the best parts about your life. Are you with me? Are you with me? And that, that, happened, long before, that happened long before Instagram came around. I'm just a private person. Except when it's something glorifying to yourself about yourself. You're a private person about what you don't want people to know. It's quiet in here. It's true. We're fine with people knowing the good parts. We're not fine with people knowing the bad parts or the embarrassing parts. I'm not saying go put it all out there, but here's, here's what I'm getting at. Jesus just exposed who he is in the heart. We work so hard to keep up facades. You know what's exhausting is keeping up a facade. When you're with Jesus, you don't have to do that. You just don't have to do that. And you're going to find I don't have to do that with others. When I'm safe with Jesus and when I'm settled with Jesus and I'm yoked with Jesus, I don't have to walk into church and put up a facade. Because I can readily admit and rightfully admit Jesus is working on me and he has a plan for my life. He loves me regardless. I don't have to put up that facade. But we do this over and over. We try to put up, the world teaches us that, and sadly enough, churches have taught that. We've gotten that in our culture. We need to reject it and repent of it. We need to get with Jesus and realize in his heart, he is meek and lowly in heart, and it's there that we can find rest unto our souls. So here's the, here's the challenge for us all. Are you willing to test whether you have obeyed these commands? You say, well, I don't know if I've taken the yoke upon me. I don't know if I've learned of Jesus Christ. Well, there's a pretty easy way to test it. Some of you are there in your mind with me, and for the rest of us, I'm going to explain. If you do not have rest in your soul, I've talked to people and I said, you know, when you, when you lay down at night to go to sleep, uh, does your mind just constantly churn about maybe unforgiveness or about a problem? Is it constantly, is your heart constantly in turmoil? Uh, and I actually had someone not too long ago ask me, so you just lay down and you go to sleep? Yeah. Lay down and then go to sleep. And uh, I understand now, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add this in here because there's a physiological difference a, a little bit here. And all the ladies say, okay, so God made you a little bit different. So one of the ways that you can undo some of the burdens that you get going on in your mind, just write it all down. Sit down at the kitchen table, write it all down. Leave it there. Say, God, this belongs to you. Now, would you give me rest tonight and go to sleep? Okay? Uh, I heard that tip uh, years ago for, uh, for ladies. But I understand there's some, there's some differences. But I'm talking about the burdens that just keep you up, get you up in the middle of the night, the burdens that are there, the problems, the struggles that are there. And the fact is, if our hearts are at, in turmoil, constant turmoil, they're not at peace, they're not at rest, they're not like the Sea of Galilee after Jesus said, peace be still. They're not there. Then we have not obeyed the first and second command here. Take my yoke and learn of me. Because he promises he will absolutely give us rest for our souls. Are you with me? Let's do this in a flow chart. Guys, give me this flow chart here. Okay, so have you ever seen this, this if yes, go this way, if no, go this way? Let's just break it down here. 
Have I taken Christ's yoke? Yes. Have I learned then? It leads me to the second command. Have I learned of Christ? Yes. Then there's rest of my soul. It's that simple. It is that simple. That is what Jesus said. If Jesus is true, and he is, right? His word is true, right? Okay? So if I don't have rest of my soul, then something hasn't happened up here. Something is wrong with my obedience. Okay? So maybe that hits you hard. I encourage you to get alone with God. Expose me. Show me if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Get alone with God. God's word is not the problem. My heart is the problem. The heart of the problem is always the problem of the heart. It's always the problem in the heart. So I need to get back to that. So have I taken Christ's yoke? No, immediately. There's no rest. There's turmoil. There is no rest outside of the yoke with Christ. None. There's not peace. There's not, there's not that tranquility. Have I, learned, uh, have I learned Christ? Oh, I've taken the yoke. But am I actively learning? Am I taking all the opportunities that Christ has given to me? Am I in the word on a daily basis? Am I in the services of my local church? Am I receiving the preaching of the word? Am I, am I learning of Christ? No. Well, then there's going to be turmoil. You can be guaranteed if God speaks to your heart today about something and you walk out without surrendering it to God, submitting it to God, you will walk out without ter- on peace. So well, I don't like the way the, the, the service made me feel. Well, friends, submit to God and you'll feel all right. I, I've been there so many times. I can remember a time I really needed to get something taken care of between, uh, from my teenage years with, with my, my dad. And uh, I can remember going a year, maybe two years, without dealing with it. I talked to God about it, but I really needed to talk to my dad about it. And I remember even going into Bible college. Here I am, called to preach, but I really needed to deal with this. And I remember the day I finally just said, hey, Dad, uh, could I talk with you? And dealt with it. And the reason I needed to talk to him is because God wanted me to talk to him. And dealt with it. I remember from that moment on, the turmoil just went absolutely out of my life. And there was a placid, placid sea, placid heart. Friends, it's real. You know what I'm learning? It is not worth living a, a restless, turmoil-filled life. You do not have to live that way. That is not God's design. That is not Christianity's fault. That's not your pastor's fault. That's not your spouse's fault. That's not your children's fault. That's not the world's fault. That's not the news media's fault. That's not the president's fault. That's not anyone else's fault but you and I. Are we taking the yoke and are we learning of Christ? It's that simple. It's that simple. Why is this message important right now? Because many Christians are getting swept away in the turmoil. Even departing from the faith in the turmoil because we haven't realized it's as simple as getting back with Jesus Christ. So what I'm trying to communicate, whether you're, a, whether you're in a specific ministry here or not, the answer is get to Jesus. The answer is be with him and the yoke. So how do you pass the test? Is there some work to be done? Is there an acknowledgement to God, I haven't taken the yoke or I'm not actively learning of you? Is there, is there something that you need to do in order to obey God today. I encourage you with that. So I want this rest. Do you want this rest? Okay, and uh, so let's think about it. Verse 29, the end of it. It says, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. You shall find rest unto your souls in the inner part of you. Now, there's many offers of rest. Take this medicine and you'll sleep like a baby. You see that? They even start partnering them. If your spouse has a cold and you just want some sleep, well, buy this package, give this to her or him, and you take this and you'll be just fine. You'll be able to rest easy. Take this shot and you'll be able to rest easy. That is not taking a side one way or the other on it, but I'm just saying our world wants to play on that. Are you with me? If you have this, you can rest easy. Hold up. Have we replaced Jesus Christ? Um, what about uh, vote for me? And you'll be able to rest easy that you have someone in the Capitol fighting for you. How has that helped us out? Uh, rest easy. Mm. Book your trip, your hotel with Travago, and you'll be able to rest easy. They actually have a, a, a TV commercial for that one. You'll be able to rest easy if you book your trip on this certain website. Use, out of Australia, use Bear Advocate for your cat 
and you will be able to rest easy. Yep, there you go. If you use this, you'll be able to rest easy. If you sleep on a certain mattress, you'll be able to rest easy. Remember that these are their statements. Rest easy. So many advertisements and, and offers that you can have rest if you just use this. What is this, friends? It's all a replacement for Jesus Christ. You will not have rest in your life until you find rest in Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. You will not find rest until you're actively seeking it and finding it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so notice, he says, you're going to find rest, genuine rest under your souls, the rest of your souls, not just appearing rested. It's not just coming into church. Yeah, I feel good. I feel good. You know, I'm, I'm all fine. Everything's good. It's not that. It's rest in your soul. There's a difference between saying I'm good, I'm fine, and having rest in your soul. I, I would imagine, I would imagine some of us have walked in with a whole lot of turmoil in here that we didn't, and we tried not to show out here. Jesus is saying, I want the rest, I want to put it in your heart but you don't know the trial I'm going through. Yeah, Jesus does though. And he wants that rest to be in your heart. It's a genuine rest unto your soul. Just like it is in his heart that he's meek and lowly, he wants to produce that rest in your soul, in the inner you, in the immaterial part of you. And notice he says, I want you to find it. You're going to find this. This is the promise. The two commands, take and, uh, and learn, lead to the promise. You shall find rest. You're going to discover it. You're going to succeed in reaching it. I've arrived at the destination. Siri tells you when you've arrived at your destination, right? You have arrived. The, it's right there on the right. I mean, they get pretty specific in these GPS, on these GPS uh, uh, announcements. And so it's right here to your right. Uh, and and, and they, they announce that. Jesus says you're going to find, you're going to arrive at that rest. You say, is that really possible this side of heaven? Yes, because Jesus promises it. He isn't, a, he isn't giving something and offering something that isn't real. He's not dangling a carrot in front of your nose. You're going to find it. We don't arrive at rest through more sleep, though sleep is important. Talk about a sleepless generation. Sleep's important. You know, if you go 24 hours awake, it's sort of like being buzzed with beer. I'm serious now. I mean, scientifically it is. Uh, friends, God designed us to sleep. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse number 12, the sleep of the laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. Whether he has a whole lot or a whole, uh, uh, just a little bit, if he's worked for it, it's sweet. But notice this, the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. You know, there's many rich people that have everything, but they can't sleep at night. They give anything to be able to sleep. All the studies in the world. And I realize there's some physiological things with all that, so I'm not, I'm not um, down in that. But friends, sleep in and of itself, just if you sleep a full night, does not mean you're going to be rested in your soul. Longer vacations, entertaining weekend, that's not the answer. Well, if I just be able to do this on the weekend. The world seeks that, and they idolize rest, entertainment, and all these things. They do. Now, rest is this restful relief, this ceasing from activity that results in this feeling of, of that, that, that results in a feeling of tranquility. I'm at ease. I'm, I'm resting in, in Christ. It's not me being lazy. It's me. I'm at ease. My heart is tranquil before God. And so we arrive at that rest in the yoke, not just because we're wearing a yoke, but we arrive in that rest or at that rest in the yoke, and here's the key, with Christ, with Christ. And friends, so many times we get focused on the, the material part. Well, I gotta be in the yoke. I gotta, I gotta be laboring. I gotta, I gotta do something. I gotta take up this yoke. No, the fact, the rest comes as we're in the yoke and here's the key, with Christ. He's the one that makes all the difference. In fact, could I state it to you this way? He is the rest. He is the rest. And if you're seeking anything else, my service. Well, if I serve God in this way, if I, if I, if I teach a really Sunday, a good Sunday school lesson, if I sing a good song, if I, if I attend church, I will finally be at rest. No, you need to be in the yoke with Christ and discovering Christ. He is the rest. He's the rest. So many people get off about this because our world teaches us and Satan wants us to be off on all these different tangents. He is the rest. Read Psalm 23. Isn't there something reassuring about Psalm 23? Think about it. The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, I have a shepherd. 
I shall not want, I'll not lack anything. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Wow, he's concerned about where I am. He leadeth me beside still waters, calm waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now catch it, friends. Catch it. Don't miss it. For thou art with me. There's the rest, friends. That's our shepherd, and he wants you. Come on. Come on with me. I I want you to walk with me. All the way back in the Old Testament, he was describing, with him, there is rest. You won't find rest in anything else. Well, I I really work hard to be a good evangelist for the Lord. You will not find rest in just witnessing for God alone. You'll only find rest as you're with Christ, with him. And this is where Satan really does a wonder because um, believers get burnt out because I'm doing this for God, I'm doing this for God. Aren't I doing the right thing? No, are you with Christ in the yoke? That's the right thing. That's what he's calling us to. He goes on to talk about our eternities settled. Right now, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. All the irritations of my life being bugged with the bugs. God takes care of all those little irritations by anointing our head with oil. The shepherd does that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I have a hopeful future, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, you talk about rest. He is rest. So here's it. I want you to catch. If you seek rest, And anything or anyone else other than the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not experience genuine rest. You will not. Resting in and with Jesus is an important part of our Christian maturity. We must consciously learn to relax and enjoy Christ's presence. To allow Christ to absorb our inward worries and conflicts. To allow him to energize us with his love and power. Rest with him. So, aren't yokes an instrument of work? I mean, why did Christ use that illustration? What makes his yoke any different? What makes it different from the yoke of your job and the, the yoke of a, 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 you know, a, a financial burden or the yoke of a wayward child or the, the yoke of of a, an addiction to some sin. What makes his yoke different than all the yokes that are offered to us and told that we need to submit to in our, in our lives? The fact is, what makes his yoke different is that it's his yoke. And again, look at verse number 30 with me. Read it out loud together with me. Ready and begin. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We don't just find genuine rest. We find a gentle Lord. We find a gentle Lord. That's what makes it different. Notice, my yoke is easy. My yoke is gently pleasant. It's not stern. It's not severe. It's not harsh. It's soft and mild. It doesn't mean that there is not going to be work, but it's soft and mild. It's my yoke. It's light in comparison to the, the burdens that the Pharisees lay upon you and all the religious structures lay, uh, lay upon you. It's, it's light in comparison to all that. It says in Matthew 23 and verse number four, it says, for they, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You hear what Jesus just said to them? They put burdens on you they're not willing to deal with. Wow, that is our world. That is our world. We see that all the way. That is the, that is the, that is the spirit of the lost man. You do it, but I'm not going to do it. We see that happening in government. You do it, but I'm not going to do it. We see that happening in religion. You do it, but I'm not going to do it. You be pure, but I'll be behind the scenes running a scandal. I'll be behind the scenes robbing you blind. You see? And that's exactly what the Pharisees did. You do it, but not us. In Acts 15, the church stood up against these extra burdens that were being being pushed on them by the religious leaders trying to control Christianity, Acts 15.10, and the, um, the, uh, the apostles got together and determined through prayer that not to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor uh, we were able to bear. We aren't able to bear it. We're not going to put it upon you. And so here's the question, friends. This idea of gentle and Lord really are very oftentimes, in our minds, mutually exclusive ideas. They're not equal to one another. 
It's not it, gentle and a Lord. But here's the amazing thing about Jesus Christ. And I've been uh, enjoying a book, I've mentioned it to you, entitled Living Lighter, Loving Better. Listen, Jesus is not an oppressor. Mankind oppresses even without realizing it. Every Lord other than Jesus will ultimately hurt you. Jesus is the only Lord who begins his relationship with you by granting you full acceptance. All other lords say, earn it, achieve it, perform for it, produce. Jesus says, I love you as you are because that's how good I am. I love you because I love you. I love you because I love you. The gospel of grace, it is easier. Because of the gospel of grace, it is easier and more delightful to please the Lord Jesus than any other person or person you will ever encounter. That is what makes his yoke easy and his burden light. Because it's his. Because it's him. It's coming to him. He is the answer. Christ's yoke is easy because of who Christ is. I am meek and lowly in heart. So experiencing that requires surrender. I'll get in the yoke with you. I'll walk with you. I'll abide with you, John 15. I'll walk with you. It requires surrender. The fact is, out of that, there's a service that should and does naturally come. But serving Christ will not always be comfortable. There is going to be work. There's tiresome labor. Uh, I, I, I know that firsthand. There's labor in serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but I will not be crushed by that labor. I can be assured of this, that I will always have a companion in that labor, which is beautiful. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 16, Paul, standing at his last trial before Nero, he says, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Yeah, the apostle Paul, on his own, laboring on his own. Really? I pray that God may not, may not lay on, pray, um, pray God that it not be laid to their charge. Now think about that. Think about the restful heart that was able to say that in the midst of a trial. I've been wronged but I pray that God wouldn't lay it to their charge. Interesting. What in the world gave Paul the ability to say that? Verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. Wow. And strengthened me. You talk about a guy that was in the yoke. God's right there beside him. At the trial, at the darkest point of his life, at the point before death, God is there at the trial with him. The Lord stood with me. Talk about being in the yoke and strengthen me. Why? Why? Here, here, here's something I want you to catch. Paul had surrendered totally on the road to Damascus. Lord, what would I have me to do? Lived his life walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, walking with him everywhere he went. And so his service naturally flowed from being with Christ, being with him in the yoke. It wasn't the ultimate goal. It was what flowed from him being at rest with Christ. Here's what I want us to see in his final testimony there in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 17. He said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Why? That by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. God did this in my life my rest with Christ, my confidence, he's there with me. I'm right beside him. I'm right where I need to be. Allowed me to serve him and continue to preach him and make his name fully known. And here's the thing. The with me naturally flows into service for him, into our, our fulfilling our calling. And we get it all messed up. Well, I got to serve him. The yoke is all about serving him. Friends, I, I, I cannot underscore the importance of this concept. The ultimate aim of the yoke is not to coerce you into service for Jesus Christ. Come along, kicking or screaming. The ultimate aim of the yoke is not to coerce you into be a Sunday school teacher or giving more time or giving more money or giving more demissions. The ultimate aim of the yoke is to bring you close to Christ, to have you with Christ. And that, friends, is rest. That is rest. You know how deceptive Satan has been to rob us of the rest that we can enjoy in Jesus Christ by, well, I'm serving him and I'm worn out. And no one else is coming along and serving like they ought to serve. I'm the only one that's doing it. No one else is serving God. Oh, hold up, there's 7,000 that you're not seeing because you're not with him. 
We get this Elijah complex. I'm the only one. Just shoot me and let me die. Have you been there? Is it worth it? Friends, we see all that because we're not in the yoke. We're not at rest, and we're not able to say, God, forgive them for dropping the ball there because we're not in the yoke. We're hard and critical, harsh on others because we're not in the yoke. Jean Sophia Piggott, born in 1845. She lived for just under 40 years. She penned the words at the age of 31 to the song, Jesus, I am resting, resting. On her gravestone in Ireland, she died October 12th, 1882, says, until the day break and the shadows flee away, I will be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness, Psalm 17, 15. Years later, 1901, her brother was a missionary in China, one of the missionaries in China that was in the midst of the, the Boxer Rebellion. And if you know anything about that, there were many missionaries and mission stations that were just brutalized, massacred in the Boxer Rebellion. As Hudson Taylor sat at his desk one night and uh, heard the reports, the continual reports of missionaries and mission stations just being obliterated, uh, Hudson Taylor sat there and quietly sang the songs of this, this hymn, Jesus, I am resting, resting. In the joy of what thou art, I am finding out thy greatness of thy loving heart. Thou hast bid me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul. For by thy transforming power, thou hast made me whole. Oh, simply trusting thee, Lord Jesus, as I behold thee as thou art. And thy love so pure, so changeless, satisfies my heart, satisfies its deepest longings, meets, supplies its every need, compasses me round with blessing. That is love indeed. Ever lift Thy face upon me as I work and wait for thee. Resting neath thy smile, Lord Jesus. Earth's dark shadows flee. Brightness of my Father's glory. Sunshine of my Father's face. Keep me ever trusting, resting. Fill me with thy grace. What a, what a tremendous song. You know what that came from? From a heart that was at rest. A heart that was with Christ. Friends, can you sing that in your storm? Can you sing that when the reports are rolling in? You can if you're in the yoke with Christ. And if it's with him that you're focused on. He is rest. And I invite you to find rest in him. Would you bow there in an attitude of prayer? More important than anything that you do to set up your week is the, the services that God has prepared for us today. More important. This, this concept right now from God's word, not me, I did not, I did not design this message. It is, it is God's word. You point out where I've preached something other than God's word. This will set up your week to be full of rest in Christ if you'll receive it. But only you can. Only you can. Maybe this morning you need to confess to the Lord, I've not taken up the yoke. I don't even know what that all means, but I've not taken up the yoke. I haven't been learning you as I ought to learn. Maybe that's you this morning. You say, God spoke to me specifically, Pastor, and boy, I, I have some inventory to do. I have some business with God to do. I have some talking to God to do because I need to take this all the way through. And you say, Pastor, I, I'm not ashamed of that at all, but that's, that's where I am, and that's how God spoke to me this morning. And he spoke to me specifically in that way. Could I see your hand? I don't. I don't have that, that rest. I have not taken up that yoke. Well, I want to see that changed. Anyone else this morning? Have you passed the test? Now, this is where we don't like to be real. Have you passed the test? Is there rest in your heart? Is there rest in your heart? 
friends, what dominates our conversation often or really does tell what is in our hearts. The burdens, the concerns that dominate our conversation is revealing whether or not we've passed the test. Oh, how I invite you to find rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, how we need you this morning. We can't do this without you. You told us to come, to take your yoke upon us and to learn of you, and then we would find rest to our souls. I pray that you give your people rest as they obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. I invite you to find... Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.